about this movie than any movie ever before. And it was uh, it was lost to time, as all good conversations must as be. Best conversations are. You can never record. You only know it's good if uh, you don't have anything at the end. Why do you have Ju- John Grisham's The Racketeer? Because I picked it up at some point. I think my mom was going to throw it away. Yeah. And uh, I have a problem where I can't let books be thrown away. It's just, just such a specific John Grisham novel to have. Have you ever read it? No. Um, but it's like, if someone owns a John Grisham, it'd be like the Pelican Brief or like the firm. Yeah. You know? Or like the King of Torts. Yeah. But that's uh, not one that anyone owns, right? This, I've never even, I didn't even know this one existed, but it makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's about a racketeer, I guess. Don't assume. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. And I'm Mike. And it's us today. We are the dad fathers <laughs> coming at you with one man down energy. One man down energy uh, due to, uh, you know, some stuff in Jesse's life. He's taking a step back for a little bit. Hopefully we'll see him in the next couple of weeks. And due to our poor communication, uh, Letney was left in the dust. It was our fault. <laughs> Sorry, Letney. We love you. We do. We had to get this done, though, uh, just for timing. And so it's just the two of us here. Talking about Dark Knight Rises, and we've only done one two-person podcast. Wait, before. talking about what movie? Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I wanted to do the whole like, but I don't know what they're saying. It's like, uh, what what did he say they were saying? Like they're saying they're saying rise. Yeah, but I don't rise, know what language yeah. it is. Rise, rise, rise. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good. <laughs> So it's a, it's a conclusion of our Dark Knight trilogy, uh, but we haven't done a two-person pod since we did the or I said mid-year in review last August when Jesse unexpectedly couldn't make it, and Mike and I had to like make up an episode to do in 10 minutes, and it really shows. <laughs> Listen back to that one to hear how unprepared we were, and that's not going to happen tonight. Not tonight. We have a Google Doc. We have a Google Doc, and you know what's even funnier? I haven't read it yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Still more prepared than that episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that one is just like a live stream of just us like scrolling down some like comingsoon.com. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, what's this movie? Not that one. There's like a good five minutes of silence in that episode. That's <laughs> just like, huh, what's that? <laughs> and you pull it up. It's like, it just has a title. I don't know. I don't know. I guess anything. just going to go yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not tonight, folks. So we're yeah, talking... this, you know, this, this happens. Like we're dads. We've got kids. We've got lives. We've got jobs. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. So, um, you know, much like Christian Bale in The Dark Knight Rises, sometimes you don't have any cartilage in your leg. Nope. Like, that's just how you're going to have to live your life. And we figure out how to forge ahead and rise anyway. Yeah. And like a phoenix or a bat rising from the ashes, mm-hmm. we're going to do an episode tonight. It'll be glorious. It's going to be great. It's going to be fan- It's going to be fantastic. And it, if it's not, well, screw you, this is free. Um. It's going to be like <laughs> jumping. It's like when he jumps off the ledge. Yeah. And instead of getting to the other ledge, he, he falls. He <laughs> just <laughs> fell. I, I was watching that. I was like, how is he not dead? Every time, yeah. How are you not dead? Like, your, sp- your spine didn't snap? You're like, your, your stomach didn't shoot out your mouth? Like, <laughs> This is the guy who just broke his back. <laughs> yeah, just broke his back, and he doesn't have any cartilage in anything. But honestly, seeing him like whine so much when he gets that like sweet-ass uh, brace on his knee, it like, turns on, he's like, ooh. Uh, I was like, listen, my granddad <laughs> had nothing in both knees, and that man didn't whine at all. I mean, he cursed constantly, but it wasn't whining. <laughs> Um, so here it's, it's the, it's the dark Knight rises. Uh, 
and let's let's first start with uh, what what have we slash our family been watching? Um, you got anything off the top of your head, Mike? Well, um, off the top of my head, last night my wife and I um, started watching uh, How I Met Your Father. Mm. Um, we watched How I Met Your Mother ten years ago or so. Fond memories of that out. show. Fond memories of it. It was great. I uh, wanted to see if How I Met Your Mother stack, How I Met Your Father stacked up to to Ted Mosby and the gang. Um, I still don't know. We got through five minutes of it and switched immediately over to Brooklyn Nine Nine, which was <laughs> amazing. It was just as funny as it always is. Yeah. So, still watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, I guess. Probably not going to continue with the How I Met Your Father, yeah, huh? Pro- probably not. Nice. It's got a thirty-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, it's really bad, especially for a brand new comedy. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. I'll probably skip it. I like that show so much. Um, it's, it's, leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. Stop trying. Yeah. There's a great laugh track in it. Like it's working overtime. <laughs> we need a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start inserting laugh tracks where I think someone said something funny that no one acknowledged. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. That's good. Uh, I, we showed my daughter, I meant, meant to mention this last time um, with the Dark Knight because it happened at the same time, but we showed my daughter The Incredibles uh, for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's uh, she's four years old and definitely was scared at times. Uh, I forgot, we discussed this off mic before, but I forgot uh, how big a deal and how many jokes are made out of that one guy trying to kill himself, but yeah. then he gets stopped by it. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a great joke and it's still really funny. Um, it's just funny that like in kids, kids entertainment has changed a lot. Yeah, and that it used to be like pretty. It used to be open to adults as well, and now it's it's very strictly commodified in certain things you don't talk about. Yeah. Um. But no, she enjoyed the experience a lot. She's very scared. Very like she had. She laughed out loud when Dash hits the water. Um. Yeah. That's that's a great scene. Yeah. I think every kid. I mean, I remember when my kids were watching that. Like my my kids just like threw back their heads, laughing with just pure joy. It was like you watch the tension that movie had been built yep been building into them just evaporate and, and explode in joy when he's able to run on water yes which is cool like that's a cool i don't know way they bake that into into the movie it's a it's a i mean i don't want to step on whenever we do that episode yeah. but like that that's one of the classic uh dad family movies you know yeah. and it's one that a dad can enjoy watching by himself but it's also one that um it, it's a, a truly communal whole family experience and it's rare to get movies like that yeah um, so we watched that, and then we. I also tried out the uh, James Gunn, the Peacemaker TV show oh, on yeah. HBO. Is that any good? It's very funny. Oh, really? I I actually think that the Peacemaker was probably my favorite character from that that movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think suicide John Cena. Squad. Yeah, a lot of suicide tonight. A lot of suicide. <laughs> uh, and John Cena in particular is is very funny. I think he's found really his role, um, and he's sinking into it. It's it's goofy um it's irreverent it's very filthy it's really funny definitely r-rated uh but it also opens with a large the opening credit scene is a dance number okay between all on all the cast everyone is dressed up and everything and they're all dancing and it looks awful but it's really great that sounds wonderful (laughs) um so i'll definitely be continuing to watch that all right so i guess Closing out that segment, moving to some uh, cast and crew. This is where the, the Google Doc that Mike has come up with is going to be really fun because I'm just going to read this out loud. Is this a high watermark of actors? Is it a high watermark of actors? Well, when I typed that, yeah. what I was thinking was there's, this is kind of a wild moment because Christian Bale, I, I feel like this is almost in a certain way a high watermark for him. Like at the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, he's done a lot of work in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. but... Um, this this is kind of a, a 
capstone or something in his career being Batman. Um, I don't know if capstone's the right word, but he's, it's he's it's the, a pinnacle. He's the only Batman to have nailed three. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and to get to the end of the story, mm-hmm. um, to do a full story, like that's huge. But then we've also got some. We you know we've got Gary Oldman still. We've got Michael Caine, um, and then we've got like some new people. Don't don't, don't jump ahead here. Don't we got to get to the second sentence? Oh, also, I kind of feel like Michael Caine and Christian Bale are phoning it in here, and everyone else is having fun. <laughs> I don't think that's reading, wrong. You're just reading the things that I wrote down now. That's not fun. Isn't that great? Yeah. You made really, the show. <laughs> but, but, but if I was going to talk about it, I'd be like, hey, what do you think of this? You know, what do you think of Christian Bale here? So you want me to read it slower and flatter? No, definitely not. <laughs> this is not fun for anybody. Everyone's loving it. No. Everyone's loving it. <laughs> not me. <laughs> you're not the audience. You're participating in the art. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. So Michael Caine, I think, is actually doing, he's, he's gone for so much of the movie. Uh, but he does have an incredibly emotional scene that I thought he was very committed to. Yeah, um, he he's he's breaking his heart to to confess to to Christian Bale, you know what he's done. He burnt the letter for Maggie Gyllenhaal, the letter that would have absolved Batman of the pain because he didn't want to put him through the pain of rejection, right? And that's a pretty controversial choice for him. But this movie, you know, is so much about you know the Dark Knight, so much about lies, and this movie is so much about the consequences of your lies. Yeah. Right. And I, I thought that he nailed the moment. I thought he nailed our, um, Alfred's character arc. And he's also just an old man, you know? Yeah. And I think Christian Bale is doing a lot more subtle work. I think that everyone else is so much bigger than him. Like in the movie, like you got to share a screen with, with, with Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy is doing the maximum amount of things an actor can do. Right. With a mask covering most of their face. Yeah. He's doing the mask. Yeah. He's got the shaved head. He's bulky as anything. He's scary. He's doing a weird voice. Yeah. <laughs> Like with all that, you, you know, what left? What else is there for an actor to do except kind of like receive that really passively? Yeah. Um, Catwoman, like she gets to be fun and like brazen, and he he's kind of an older Batman. He's trying to to have something with her, but she's scared of him. He's trying not to push her too much. I think he's doing good work. It's just that it's so much quieter than all the villains, right? Yeah, because there's really a lot of villains in it. Yeah, there are. There's yeah, there's so many people in it in general. I mean, even uh, even Gary Oldman probably does. Well, he's got a lot to do in this movie. Yeah. But he does most of it from a bed. Yeah. You know, from a hospital yeah. bed, screaming at people. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, in terms of villains, like Catwoman uh, functions as a villain a lot of times. We got Bane. We have the, uh, also spoilers for Dark Knight Rises. Don't come and listen to this if you haven't seen the movie. Um, Marion Cotillard as as Talia. So that's mm-hmm. three. But then you also have Matthew Modine's character, the the, the one just underneath Gordon. Right. And he's a villain functionally for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, because he's so terrible at his job. <laughs> <laughs> he's a villain of incompetence. Yeah, and he is trying to get the bat. Yeah. He's trying to get Batman. Yeah, pulls away from the, the raid of the stock exchange to chase the guy chasing the robbers. <laughs> what a dumbass. I'm going to do what Gordon never could do. <laughs> what, be a total asshole? Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good job. Egg Good on job. your face, buddy. Um, but here, uh, speaking of Tom Hardy. All right, so he, the, Tom Hardy, the the man, the myth, the face wearing, the face mask wearer. Yeah. Um. So you have a hand here. Band of Brothers, then three exclamation marks. Only two. But oh, yes, two. Band of Brothers. I, I was re-watching that recently. Like, Interesting. In the last couple of years. Huh? And I hadn't realized that he was in it, but he came on screen. I was like, oh, Tom Hardy! <laughs> I feel like if he if he hadn't have gotten like a couple very specific roles, I think he would have just played as a, as a character actor for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. He seems really comfortable doing that. Yeah. Just so happens he's really handsome. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he hadn't gotten Bronson... Yeah. I think the Bronson's the one that really pushed him into being a weirdo. Yeah. Um, 
And he's kind of just been that. I mean, like, he hasn't just been that, but... Pretty much. Like, the only times that the mainstream Hollywood has, like, got him is, like... Remember that movie, uh, This Means War, with yeah. Chris Pine and, and Reese Witherspoon? And he's one of the romantic leads. It's a, the movie's about, about a love triangle, yeah. right? And he's one of the romantic leads, and that feels so weird. Yeah. Like, that does not work. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hardy does, is not in a romantic comedy. Yeah. And if he is, it's called Taboo. <laughs> it's on FX. Um, <laughs> did you ever see the movie Lawless? I did, yeah. That's more of a standard role there, too. But, it, but he gets to do a lot of stuff yeah. with that one. He gets to be kind of fat, yeah. and, and he, he talks really low down. Yeah. Because he got a throat slit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, voice that's box. right. Yeah. I was just, like, looking through it, and I, I saw that. Yeah. Tom Hardy does it in a weird. bunch of stuff. Yeah. And Venom. Venom. Which yeah. is weird. Where he it's gets like the weirdest super. He gets to be like thing. sweaty and like greasy and just like mumbling to himself. He's just insane. Yeah. On screen all the time. He's a, he's a crazy person, except there's also a symbiote, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, it, it, like everyone else who is in Band of Brothers was also in Black Hawk Down. Right. <laughs> uh, incredible amount of people in that one, too. And you don't recognize any of them because they all have shaved heads. Yeah. Orlando Bloom's in that. Yes. And it's almost unrecognizable, too. Yeah. Just like, pale and stuffed inside of a, a, a combat suit. Yeah. Um, and so, Layer Cake. I don't remember him Layer Cake. I didn't remember him either, but I looked at, like, pictures. I, okay, Layer Cake. I need to revisit that soon. I think I do, too. I remember loving it. Yeah. The one time I saw it, yeah. it like, blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and, I can't remember uh, why. I don't remember yeah. anything that happens in it. Daniel Craig and Tom Hardy, just a bunch of people. I know there's no cake. I'm pretty sure I remember it, there's not cake. It's about cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I'm pretty sure that I, I was watching it kind of wondering, like, where is the layered cake? <laughs> and, like, there's know. no cake in the movie! <laughs> Maybe the cake is the friends we made a lot. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> and then, let's see, where's, oh, Handsome Bob. I do remember him in Handsome Bob. Yep. Uh, definitely, uh, if that movie had come out five years later, would Jack Guy Ritchie would have gotten canceled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then Bronson, uh, the butter me up scene. Is is so upsetting. That whole movie is one of the most upsetting things oh, I've seen. I'm surprised you watched it. It was like super late one night. I was like, you know what? This Bronson movie, I gotta see it. Yeah. People were talking about it, and I saw it, and I was like, well, that was. I sick. saw that. So that's that's Nicholas Winning Refn before he like gets Drive right. Yeah. And so he starts out with his with his like uh, pusher trilogy about drug dealers and like we're in his native country. He's got mm -hmm. stuff like fear X. He's like some really subversive, really on the fringe shit. And then yeah. Mods Mikkelsen in, in Valhalla rising his Viking Epic, which is incredibly upsetting and insane. It's also the first time I think that Mods Mikkelsen loses an eye in a movie, oh. which is good to keep track of. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that with drive at work drive, he connected the public consciousness in his study of like male brutality and fragility, like connected with everyone. And then he just has never been able to do it again. <laughs> he never did it until then, never did it again. Um, wild career. Sorry, I will never really get to talk about him. So. Yeah. We got Inception, of course, Eames. Yep. Gorgeous Eames. And that, that's when he first started working with Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think everyone in Hollywood kind of started seeing him like, oh, this is a weird guy. Yeah. Like we, but he can do charming. We didn't yeah. know he could be charming. Yeah. Um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I don't remember him in that. I don't remember him in, in it either. I thought that you would. I think he dies in the beginning. Probably. I think I think he's the character whose body you see is in the first five minutes, um, and then you see him with some some dialogue later. Okay. I think he's the one that's that's in the that's in the homosexual relationship. Okay. I think he's the other half of that that gets killed off. Interesting. Okay. Um, Gosh, I, that movie was so hard to keep track of. Yeah. Uh, and then the Warrior. Yeah, Warrior. That was. Was that his first like leading role? Was that a I leading so. role for him? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a two hander. Yeah, it's him and um, 
Joel Edgerton. Joel, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. Um, and he's really good in it too. I mean, he's, he's very like in all of his most popular movies, he's very closed off, right? He's not, doesn't get to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just very brooding, but he's a very believable brooding, you know, yeah. hurt brooding. Um, I really love this. And as, as you wrote down here after this becomes one of the new generation, basic dad actors, Locke, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road, the Revenant, Dunkirk, Venom and Peaky Blinders. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, um, I, I feel like he's working to not be like kind of a, a, general leading man right like that's yeah. what you said like he's not he's trying not to do just like the easy roles yeah um but uh he's still i mean i don't know with mad max like he you can't not be but that's basic like, dad actor that's the only mad max movie that's not really about max you know yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true it seems like every time he does something it can't be really that like yeah. venom he's carrying a whole superhero franchise but it's not really you know, <laughs> every time he gets a chance, like, this is just you. He's like, ah, maybe we do something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he just thinks it's more interesting because he's right. Like in The Revenant, you know, he completely makes way for uh, Leo to just eat the scenery. And then he's just kind of a weirdo um, in the background. I mean, he's evil. Right? Yeah. He's the ultimate bad guy. And their fight scene at the end of that movie is, is it's so upsetting. It's not fun. Yeah. Like the raid too is upsetting, but fun. And that fight, you're just like, all right. This is brutal. Like, yeah. Two guys just pounding on each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, you know, covers his face. Dunkirk covers his face. Mad Max covers his face. Yeah. Have you seen Peaky Blinders? I haven't seen him in Peaky Blinders. Okay. He's fantastic. Yeah. He plays, um, I mean, like, he's weird. He's got a weird voice. He's a weird he dude. Jewish? He's, he is the leader of the Jewish mob or right. mafia or whatever it is. Right. Um, and he's hilarious uh, and brutal. Do their yarmulkes have razor blades in them too? <laughs> no. I- <laughs> Everything is razor blade. <laughs> uh, no, I love I loved to see him in that. Like, like oh my gosh, it's Tom Hardy. Yes, yeah. I need uh, to do Peaky Blinders yeah. again. I just I lost it was it just bored me when it started. Yeah, I had a hard time. Yeah, I got stuck in the middle. I'm not up to date. Mm. So maybe someday. We have here uh, also here joining. Oh, Christian but, but wait, wait, wait! I wanted to say though, like, what? so so one of the things about this is that this is kind of interesting because Christian Bale is like the dad actor. Yeah. Right, I feel like he has kind of kept on that mantle still, yeah. in a way, like for for our like generation. He won't let it go. He won't let it go, and he's great. Yeah. Love him. Um, but Tom Hardy is kind of becoming that. I feel like in this movie was when it sort of really took off. Yeah, but he's that he's sort of the thing with Christian Bale. Is Christian Bale is not scared to carry a movie. Yeah, right. That's true. In fact, he he yeah, he, he doesn't do supporting work. Um, he's, yeah. it's never like and Christian Bale. Yeah. Uh, it might someday. I mean, well, he's going to be in the Marvel, uh, the Thor: Love and Thunder, right? right? But he's he's the heavy, yeah. You know, true. and so yeah. in that case, it's really about Thor and then him, yeah. Especially if he's really good. I mean, like we saw with Thor: Ragnarok. I mean, Kate Blanchett held her own and gets yeah. so much screen time. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I also like. I, I'm just thinking of uh, Al Pacino as Melvin Schwartz yeah. talking about like you know, and then you're the heavy, you know, <laughs> talking about like being the bad guy. Ever. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're if we're entering into Christian Bale as bad guy territory. Yeah, that'd be cool. Meanwhile, Tom Again, Hardy, Tom Hardy's like, I'll be a bad guy or a good guy. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I don't have to talk too much or too easily understood. Don't show my face completely. Yeah. <laughs> what if you do, it has to look bad. I wonder. I wonder if he called Christopher Nolan and was like, "Why didn't you let me be in Tenet? <laughs> I would have been unintelligible and worn a mask the whole time. It's perfect. I'm the guy. <laughs> Yeah, this Robert Pattinson jerk. <laughs> he likes diction. I'll mumble my way through everything. Um, but also returning, 
uh, also from Inception. Here is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, who you know gets a start on Third Rock from the Sun. You know, yeah, as a as a kid, I remember him. Yeah, and he's just really engaging. And then, as as sometimes happens, you know, he's young, he's attractive, and he's he's talented. So what he did though, which I think is really interesting, that a lot of people don't do, is he didn't tie himself to a franchise. He he went deep. He did indie cinema for a long time. And really ground it out. It's it's what Robert Pattinson decided to do after having his franchise. Right. Yeah. His work with promising auteurs and make interesting work. Um, and then he did that, and then he never really stopped doing that. And now he's just off doing his own thing. Yeah. Like he never he never wanted to jump in on a big 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 movie. Like Inception's like his biggest. Well, movie. wasn't this in this? Yeah. Um, and it seems like this. It was setting him up. At least I remember after this movie came out, it was, we were all talking about how it was setting him up to take on the role of the Batman right. as Robin because he's Robin. Yeah. Um, but then it just never turned into anything. I think that maybe Nolan did that to show that the Batman never dies. Yeah. But I, I mean, he, you know, Nolan was involved in this in, in DC still. Like, yeah. Right. And he, I don't think he ever pushed to have this happen. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he just did that to make sure that you knew that Gotham always had. A dark night, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what, right? And uh, I mean, I, I can't see him doing that. Oh yeah, no, I can't. That would have been really weird. Could he have done it? Yes, but it's kind of just not who he is. He's a very Joseph Gordon-Levitt as as an as an artist is just such a a quiet, really sensitive guy who yeah. is really funny. Um, like he just had his show on Apple TV, which is unfortunately canceled. But I, I watched a few episodes of that, and it's great. Oh really? Um, really fantastic. What's the show? Um, it has a really nondescript name. Um, Mr. Corman. Mr. Corman. Yeah, and so it, Mr. Josh Corman, this this teacher is having a really hard time because his anxiety looks like an impending apocalypse. So there's this magical realism to the show where like he's imagining like a giant asteroid that's always like hovering over him, like over the town, over Earth, and things in his life are getting worse. And he, he's like he's trying to get help, but no one can help him, and he doesn't know how to describe this to therapists. This this impending doom feeling. Um, but it's a great representation of anxiety and he wrote and directed and starred and produced it. That's awesome. Um, and that, that's all he wants to do. Like he wants to do his stuff. Yeah. He doesn't want to get dragged into something he's not interested in. Yeah. Well, and so he started this hit record thing. Yeah. Um, which is hit record with uh, Joe. Yeah. Hit record with Joe, um, which is like a community of um, collaborating. Anyone. Uh, anyone. Yeah. I follow him on, on, on all of his social media platforms and I've used the hit record a couple of times. Yeah. Like it, he's asked, you know, Hey, if you're, you want to do some voice acting, I need you to read the sentence. Yeah. Just read it normal. Um, and I, and I've participated a couple of times and it was fun. It yeah. was interesting to do it because you don't realize how stupid you sound or how awkward you sound <laughs> until you record yourself and then listen to it. Yeah. Especially if you're alone reading lines and he says, just sound natural. And you're reading like, that's, that's the least natural way I've ever sounded. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he's in, he's in tons of work. Uh, yeah, you pointed out brick. I love that. Um, yeah. Did, he, did he write that one too? Or, or I, lead it in some way? I don't think so. Yeah, I think, okay. I yeah. think that's all Ryan Johnson. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But he's actually been in every Ryan Johnson movie. Really? Yep. Even if it's just on the phone. Oh, like he's, he's a voice on the phone in, um, in lives out, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it says. He's a voice and in, in that and in star Wars and he's also a voice. Yeah. He just likes to come in. And, yeah. and work with Ryan. And that's great because like Ryan works with his brother a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. He's just one of the guys. Yeah. But I have to, I do have to say that a lot of the work that he's chosen to do recently, I, I'm a little bit bummed that he doesn't just do other things. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it feels like Trial of Chicago 7 was the first time that he did something... Well, I mean, he chose Snowden and stuff, but, I mean, that was a while ago. I think Snowden, right, was to work with Oliver Stone. Yeah. Right? And then after that, I, like, the Karma Detective show was weird. Um, it was like a Russian... It, I can't tell if it was... It's supposed to be comedic, but it's played completely straight. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. He just does weird stuff now. Yeah, I miss weird him. stuff. Yeah. I miss him. Come back. Uh, we've also got Anne Hathaway, who Hathaway. I had completely forgotten was in this movie. Yeah. Just absolutely. Yeah. Like, not at all. She came on the screen and was like, Anne Hathaway's in this? Yeah. Should You should have seen me when I was watching this, <laughs> because I haven't seen this movie since it came out. Oh, cool. Um, and so every single person that came on was like, that guy? That girl? <laughs> that guy? Marion Cotillard? Like, <laughs> That's amazing. I was just freaking out. She's so good in this, yeah, too. She, uh, she gets to play kind of menacing kind of smoky, flirty, sultry, mm -hmm. um, but scared too sometimes. Yeah. And it's stuff I don't, I haven't seen, I hadn't seen from her then. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Princess Diaries is probably still her best work um, because it's great, not because... Les Miserables. <laughs> it's Les Miserables. <laughs> Dude, I was listening to some Les Miserables yeah. last night, literally last night while I was doing the dishes and my daughter never heard it. Oh yeah. And I turned on some and I skipped one of the songs. I was like, that's too sad. And it went right to Fontaine's song. <sighs> And Jill said, you skipped that last one to listen to this one. <laughs> and I poked my head around the counter and there was just tears going down my face. <laughs> that one's too sad. I'm going to listen to this I one. I dreamed a dream. <laughs> oh my gosh. And especially that version, like when she like actually starts crying halfway through. Oh my gosh. She just breaks. It's, oh yeah. Oh man. It was, it was it's so raw. Uh, yeah. I love her. Um, but you're right. Bro broken out in Prince Dyer. She's great. Yeah, I remember everyone was saying love shut that up movie. for a long time. I love that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I can't wait for my daughters to get a little bit older. We just watched it two years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. Good. That's uh, good. So how old? How old? Do you think? Uh, probably six. Good. Okay. I think six because you just got to. It's it's more dialogue. Yeah, you right. got to you got to get with the dialogue, but it's yeah. funny as hell. It's so funny. Yeah, I love that movie. I, I meant I also say that thing to myself when I get up and look in the mirror. You know, this is as good as it's ever gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Ella Enchanted, I remember that, and uh, she's fantastic in Devil Wars Prada. I remember her in Get Smart. Yeah, love yeah. That. And then, uh, yeah, Interstellar, man, great in Interstellar. Oh, really, yeah, really good work. Fantastic. Let's see, we got Marion Cotillard, uh, probably best known for Annette. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is she, is she best known for, for best work? I would, I would say, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. the opera singer in Annette. Is that is that it? That's what I'd say. Yeah. I don't even think we need to mention anything else. I don't think so. Just either. Annette. I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> Mike yeah. hates Annette. Uh, if you listen back to our top 10 episodes. Another movie that she's in that I really don't like is that um, Terrence Malick movie uh, that she's in where she just like spins around in the field and, and apparently Malick gave her like H Hegel to read and stuff. Is that song to song? No, it's uh, uh, To it's, the Wonder. Is it To the Wonder? It's To the Wonder. Is With that, Ben Affleck. And is that Alicia Vikander? Wait, I thought it. she was, Marion Cotillard was in it too. I thought it was a love triangle. There's a bunch of girls. In I it. hate that movie. Yeah, that movie's awful. It's pretty forgettable. You know what's worse than that movie though? What? It's Night of Cups. <laughs> really? It was Christian Bale. Wow. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Um, but no, she's she's fantastic. Sorry I, for people who love Terrence Malick. I think the people who love Terrence Malick don't love those two movies. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, There's better talents, Terrence Malick. For sure. I actually would love to talk to someone that liked Night of Cups, so they could talk to me about what they liked about it. Yeah. Uh, we probably the things they liked I probably disliked. Um, <laughs> uh, Big Fish is really fantastic. Um, I have not seen La Vie en Rose. People don't either. seem like they like it. Uh, she's good in Public Enemies. She's great in Inception. Mm -hmm. Great. 
She's okay in Midnight in Paris. It's okay. Uh, yeah, know. that's not. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like. Uh, but oh, thank you for mentioning this too. She's a fantastic in the immigrant. Yeah, she is the that's reason what I've for heard. that movie. I've heard that that movie is fantastic. I have yeah. not seen it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, do yourself. That is a okay. searing drama. Okay. Um, and then Ben Mendelsohn, of course, playing Daggett, yeah. little bastard yeah. who tries who tries to intimidate Tom Hardy. Who? Yeah, that was just the the most amazing scene. I love when he stands like, when he's standing like next to him. He's like that man is huge, and he just like sort of lies his hand on on oh, ben, his, on his oh, neck. It's so upsetting. And he's just like, "What's going on?" Yeah. No, Ben Mendelsohn, one of the one of the great heavies of all time. Rogue yeah. One, uh, he's fantastic. Animal Kingdom, bad guy in Ready Player One. Like he's always good, even if the movie he's in is dog shit. He's gonna be. He's in Cyrano. Mm-hmm. So also, probably best that. known for um, Bloodline. I think. Bloodline. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's he's amazing he's in Bloodline. Great. He actually plays kind of a Joker character in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, Aiden Gillen. Yes, Aiden yes. Gillen. Okay, I, I okay. So Aiden Gillen stars as a CIA agent in the beginning of the movie who is involved in the plane thing, right? Yeah. When the plane gets upended. Yeah. Now, he's meant to be American. He's not American. So Christopher Nolan hires a man from Ireland. With to play one of the heaviest accents, and he, hearing him attempt this flat American accent is is hilarious. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't do it. <laughs> I don't understand. And he's also got the Aiden Gillen thing with the R's. Yeah, like the R's are weird. Yeah, and he always like talks out of the side of his mouth. Yeah, and here when he's trying to use his whole mouth, <laughs> stop. You just look like you don't know what you're doing on screen. Yeah, yeah. Was was he's anyone else better. busy? He's gotten better since this movie. Yes. Uh, probably best known by most people as Lord Peter Baelish Littlefinger. Littlefinger. In uh, the Game of Thrones. Yes. Um, but uh, I know him best for a movie called Calvary, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie. Right. It's, it's right up there for sure. He plays the, the atheist uh, surgeon. Yeah. And there's a great scene where he puts a cigarette out in a, in a tumor. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic movie. Um, yeah. Oh, great did you ever watch Luther? No, I didn't. Is he in that? No, uh, but there's the, one of the main uh, series leads, uh, DCI Ripley. I forget the actor's name. He is in this movie for exactly like three frames. Really? He plays one of the guys with an assault rifle, and he's looking right into the camera, and he turns to the side, and then he's gone. But in a movie where you continually recognize people, yeah. I was like, holy shit, it's DCI Ripley. Well, my <laughs> wife did. My wife did. I, I, I didn't She's see good. it until afterwards. Here, here scroll down. I want to I see what his name is. It's there's not. so many there's so many names in here dude oh yeah juno temple i forgot juno temple was in this yes um oh and thomas lennon yes the comedian yeah he's the doctor yes um who also kind of looks like sergeant boyle which is probably part of why yes uh, i was recognizing jo him. joel latrulio yeah um oh but one guy that we didn't ever mention was nestor carbonell who i know from lost Remember, oh. he's one of like the, the dudes Lost. on the island. On I didn't on watch Lost. Lost. Yeah, but he's been in the last two, wearing so. just the most amount of eyeshadow. Oh, I think that's just. I think his eyes are just like that. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know who this guy is. Uh, yes, Warren Brown. Warren Brown. Okay. Huh. Yep. If you scroll down, you'll see his name in Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Where is it? <laughs> There it is. Mercenary security number one. Ah, oh, love that guy. It's bizarre, though, but it's, just, it's one of my favorite 
TV shows, and he's like yeah. a big part of it. And then he shows up for one, two or two frames. It's, yeah. it's wild. Well, I feel like that's the case. That's part of why I'm thinking like this movie is kind of this is a weird movie for me. Yeah. Like because of the timing of it and like where it comes. There's a lot of people who are sort of like it's like the high point of their career or something like that. It's it's this sort of like big moment in their career. They come to it and there's a lot of stuff that came out of it for them as well. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird, and it's a weird movie where it comes in my time of life. So yeah, maybe, maybe let's where talk about that? that a little bit. Where was that? Yeah. I was, so it was 2012. I was just about to get through my junior year of college. I mm-hmm. think something like that. I think. Yeah. I was just about to start my senior year when it came out. Um, and so for me personally, it was like, you know, here we are, we're kind of at the end of an era and about to start a new era. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's, that's, I mean, what this movie is about in general, we're at the end of an era. What's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What's the big cataclysm that's gonna, going to occur and with all of these actors who come in. <clears throat> I, th- I feel like it's, it's interesting because it's like after, after the dark, uh, Batman begins in the dark night, we also have. Marvel starting to take off as yeah. well, and superhero movies have become something that actors want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everyone wants another car, you know. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants. And, and I mean, like, it wasn't like they were ever bad to be in for money, but it's that they're respected for art as well, mm-hmm. um, in a way that I don't think they really were before. I agree. Um, and so we've got people like Anne Hathaway and Tom Hardy who have come now to be known as like actors. And, and, and an actor and an actress you know like they do good work um who are coming in here as as you know not the main character um yeah 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 it's a uh, when, when you walked out of the theater for the first time how did you how did you feel i enjoyed it man i yeah. thought it was great i love i love the how the people with you feel they hated it yeah everybody okay. hated the way this movie ended yes i i was one of them yeah mm-hmm. okay tell me about that so it's funny because I can I can point to the things that I hated about it, which are now things that I don't mind at all. Yeah. Um, I think at this point, you know, from the 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 change from Batman Begins to The Dark Knight was stark. Um, the Batman Begins is kind of is a more is a leaner but still really comic booky sort of movie, mm-hmm. and then The Dark Knight is really mean and aggressive and long and intense and punishing. Yeah. Um, very thrilling experience, right? And this one is just not that. And I think everyone, you know, all the little teenage weirdos and, and not, were expecting The Dark Knight again. Yeah. Um, you know, give me that with just these villains. Where's, like, give me the intensity. Give me, like, the... the... Jesse talked about how, how that movie moves in sequences, you know? Right. And it really does. And each sequence ramps up the tension more and more. And it does it kind of, like, pop off constantly. Yeah. This one does not. No. Not at all. And I think that was really jarring for everyone. Um, even the action scenes, which are really cool, uh, are not as intentional as the ones from The Dark Knight. You know, and by that I mean like they're not. It's not like where they're setting up um, with the God's Eye, like where the Joker is, and you gotta you gotta go here, and you gotta the rescue the hostages here. They lay out the action scene for you, and then they do it. Yeah. Right. Um, this one is very sprawling, and the action that does take place is often interrupted for story reasons. Um, there's not a lot of it. Yeah. And they're long breaks. Like this movie takes place over the course of like six months. Yeah. And that's weird. Yeah. Dark Knight takes place in like five days. Yeah. Uh, and Batman Begins like takes place across like two or three months, you know? And it takes about half the movie for Batman to put on yeah. his suit. Like yeah. he's a broken person. Yeah. Which is 
Very weird. If Batman does not show up for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and when he does, he's not great. Yeah. And I think that that's what it really is. And then when it comes to the ending, you know, he it's very clear in the movie now that I'm watching it again, when he says it takes a better man than me to make the autopilot work. And then they later on they're it's just it's just assumed that he fixed it. Like there's one line of dialogue where he says he pretty much fixed it. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, it, it worked. And everyone's like, but we wouldn't have time to do that. And I was like, I don't know. How long would it have taken? Maybe maybe Lucius Fox doesn't know anything about computers. Yeah. Because remember, or it just didn't have time. In the God's Eye scene, fed. in the God's Eye scene, the only thing he has to do is like hit a button. Yeah. You know, and it all goes away. Bruce Wayne is the one that's like really good at this stuff. Yeah. So it makes sense that maybe he, it was like a little hard software issue. Just like download the patch. Yeah. He's the CEO of a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Yeah. Like he doesn't deal with that stuff. You know, and uh, and so I, I I was let down and betrayed by it because I wanted Batman to sacrifice himself because I had a really hard time in the way I viewed Batman as thinking Batman could be happy. Batman can't be happy. Yeah, but then I was like, that's exactly they agreed with me. Yeah. Batman can't be happy. Yeah, thank you. So Batman has to. I've been, I've been saying this for ten years. Yeah. So Batman dies. Batman dies, yeah. and that's why he didn't tell anyone he fixed the mm -hmm. autopilot. Mm -hmm. He had to go away. Yeah. He had to continue living as a legend because he finally Amazing. did it. Amazing. So no, I don't, I don't get it. And I also have to say, now that we're here talking about this, like after having done this full 180, it's only the third time I've seen this movie. Yeah. Um, I like this more than Dark Knight. Whoa. Yeah. What? I like this more than Dark Knight. You like this more than Dark Knight? Yeah. I do. It's more interesting to me. What? Okay. Wow. That's, I mean, What? I just, I just do. I, I think it's more interesting. I think it, it, what it has to say about Batman and his legacy, what it has to say about Gotham. I think everything that the series has been building to is kind of here. They laid out this grand opera for us. Yeah. So as, as a movie, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a better movie than The Dark Knight. There's plenty of things wrong with it. Yeah. But yeah. I like it more. And I think it's braver. I think it does a lot of stuff. Every time you think it could do something, it does not that. Yeah. And it goes a different direction. And as I'm getting older, I am enjoying that more and more. I mean, like the scene, the, the, um, there's a lot of incredible scenes in this. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I don't know if like the whole really works mm. exactly. I mean, like, like it, like the story, the, the whole, like the themes work, the story sort of like makes sense. The story is very just, theme driven. It just takes so much time yeah, um, to get there. Like I felt really tired. I liked that so much. I, yeah. I really could. I felt like it needed to be that long. I think if it was shorter, it would have felt rushed. Yeah. And and I, I think this movie needs to feel leisurely. And that way, I actually think it does something really interesting. I think it's something that Nolan never does again. Yeah. Um, he never takes it slow. What about Dunkirk? Dunkirk? No. Oh, no. Dunkirk is not slow. It's not slow. Dunkirk is like insane. Um, Interstellar even. like Interstellar yeah. is a movie made up of sequences. Mm -hmm. um, every every new sequence is a new thing that he's introducing you to. Yeah. Um, like the only movie that I can even compare this to would be Insomnia, but Insomnia is a very simple mystery story, right? About like four people. Yeah. Um, and it's actually intense in its own way because there's always something going on. It's just really quiet. Yeah. And this movie is loud. It's huge. And it's quiet and it's epic and it's long. And it's he never has tried this before. He's never done it since. Yeah. He's never made an epic. Yeah. And here's an epic. And it answers all of his, all the questions about live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Uh, it's not who I am, but what I do that defines me. You know, and it really delves into like the lie. Yeah, like this is all founded on these principles that are 
at their essence wrong. Yeah. Like it's wrong to lie, even if it's for a good purpose. It's wrong to be a vigilante, even if it's for a good purpose. It actually, it actually comes. That's why when we started to talk about themes in Batman Begins, I, I kind of wanted to delay talking about some of that because it all comes up to here. Yeah. Everything thematically has been building to this movie. Um, and this movie deals with all of the shit that it's raised and all the stuff that it's tried to get away with. And it answers it all and says, you know what? Look, look what an untenable thing has been created because of how long we've lied and backdoored things yeah. and just tried to glue it together to get it to fix. And now we're at a point where we need a hard reset as a society. That's how far we've come because of these, these lies and because yeah. of these, these people living in the shadows that are allowed to continue going on. This is what happens when, when heroes get tired and get sloppy. Like, here it all is. And it's great. And it has to end with everyone dying, basically. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, I, I really love that. That's why I was really touched this time by, um, by Gordon and how he's like, I, for the last, you know, 10 years or however long it's been, mm -hmm. I have been touting this guy who held my son at gunpoint. How can I live with myself? How do I keep going? His wife can't live with him. Yeah. They've, they've left. Um, and like when I saw it when I was 22 or whatever I was like, that didn't resonate at all. I was like, well, cause you had to, cause it's like the right thing to do or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, yeah, I could never, I can never live with myself if that was the case. No, even if it's for a good reason, nothing. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up, but, but, but these characters, you know, have had to live with this, have had to try to keep going in the face of insurmountable odds. Yeah. And it was now Gordon's turn to do it. Batman took the whole world on his shoulders and he, he broke. Yeah. And Gordon took the whole world on his shoulders and he didn't break, but everything else did. Yeah. Cause the only thing he had time for was just this, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and it's, it's understated and subtle and emotional, which also Christopher Nolan is not typically known for. Yeah. But there's a lot here through every character. And one of the leads is a woman. Yeah. Which Christopher Nolan is also not really known for. And she's actually, like, I, I disliked parts of her, but it's mostly because I just disliked what she was doing. Yeah. You know, which is fine. That's what the movie wants you yeah. to think, right? I mean, like, she has parts. Yeah. Some of which you can dislike. And she's got motivation. Yeah. A very clear motivation for doing what she's doing. Yeah. Um, and she wants out just as much as he does. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the only character that is not written extremely well is the Talia al Ghul, Marion Cotillard part. Yeah. Because once you that know... That was a the, 180 yeah. that made very... Yeah. But once you know the 180... You can't unknow it. Yeah. Once she shows up, you're like, oh, that's right. She's the bad guy. And then Unless you, you wait seeing. 10 years to see yeah. it again. <laughs> because I had no memory of it. You that. didn't remember her being bad? Uh, I, I, I think I realized like when he's in the pit and like they're telling the story of the kid who gets yeah. out. And, I remember, I, and then I was remembering like, oh, I remember thinking the kid was Bane, but it's not. Bane's right. the guy who saved the kid. Right. It's like, oh, that's right. Talia al Ghul's in here. It's a girl. Who is it? And then the rest of the movie, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, oh, it's Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Yeah. And then once, once you're there. I figured it out before she revealed. You see, the, you see the, the machinations of the movie, which I don't think is bad. Yeah. But it just shows like how, how they're, how the League of Shadows was ready like at every turn yeah. to infiltrate themselves into the best possible place. Yeah. To be not only the ransomer, but also the ransomee. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I actually really liked that. It showed the League of Shadows was was so much scarier than just uh, Ra's al Ghul with a giant microwave emitter. <laughs> <laughs> like instead, they have a fission bomb, which I have heard doesn't actually work. But 
Dude, um, you can say you, it, you, you can say you say the who's it what's a bomb. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing about. But the thing that's cool about it is how they brought uh, Bruce Wayne down, yeah. and then how they show that in the tabloids, and yeah. you kind of when the, like the specific headline is like Bruce Wayne doubles down and loses everything, yeah. and it's like I've seen that tabloid. Yeah. Like it allows you for one minute behind an imaginary curtain to see the how the world's being puppeted by things, and yeah. tells you that's real, and it's really satisfying because we see that in real life, and we always imagine like, oh, there must be some sort of puppet master. And this movie's like, yes, there is. It's Bane. (laughs) (laughs) Who who scared me so much because, like, not only does he wreck Bruce Wayne financially and destroy him completely, like, bring him low. Totally breaks him. And it's not even hard. And he moves so fast. Yeah. That's what's so scary. He's big and fast and smart. Yeah. I can't think of anything scarier than that. Like a 250-pound, six-foot-two man who also can outplay me at chess. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that was a lot. Um, yeah. I think it's really getting us. Yeah, we're really into the movie now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what would be a thing? Well, I mean, that's crazy, though, because the nostalgia that I have for this movie is arguing about this movie. Oh, sure. With so many people. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of cool. That uh, There's no that, that Now you've been convinced that I was right. I mean, we didn't argue about this. But <laughs> <laughs> I agree with the opinion that you hold, but I didn't know you held it. I held it back then, and I was right. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were. Yes. And I'm sure we fought about it at some point. And I'm I was, sure we did. Yeah. I'm sure we did. Do you, uh, do you want to show this to your kids? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I, I previously hesitated with showing them The Dark Knight because I wanted to do it close to Batman Begins. But after yeah. having seen this, I don't want to do that. You can wait. I think I'm going to have to them? wait. I think, yeah. I think now that I'm not going to... Sh- because I, I can't see showing this to a kid right after they see The Dark Knight. There's so many things that are like <laughs> it, it. It just undoes so much that happens, right? Yeah. In in a, in a logical way, in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but that movie's such a roller coaster, and this movie is a, a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't see how any kid walking out of the Dark Knight, walking into this, wouldn't just hate this. Um, for being too slow, not enough action, too much talking, lots of story, too many themes. You know, gets weird. Batman is like hard up against it the entire time. He's a mess. Yeah. He's a total mess. Like he's clearly both like physically and psychologically a mess. Yeah. He's kind of hollowed out. All of the people that we loved in the dark night were like, yeah, these people did the right thing at the end of it. They're broken because of that decision. Mm-hmm. And the society is, yeah. is, is better, but sort of, it gets so much worse because of that decision. Yeah. Um, now they're being blackmailed with the lie. Yeah. Because people know the truth, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think I think I would do I think I would do Batman Begins at ten, ten or eleven. I think I do Dark Knight at twelve or thirteen, and I think I do this at fourteen, fifteen. At least for my daughter, um, just because she doesn't really get into the the violence of the things. She mm-hmm. kind of likes it, but she likes she likes more thinking about the characters and who people are. Yeah. And I think this that that would interest her at that age. Yeah. I honestly don't even know if she'd like the Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, I've, I've continued to think about just like how heavy these, these top, these topics are like, this is very much, you know, in a time when we were worried about, uh, I mean, I guess it's not like we're not worried now, but it's just become more of an everyday thing, like of terrorists blowing up, um, uh, stadiums, you know, Mm -hmm. and of, um, people like the Joker. And I mean, like, gosh, this movie came out and 
carries a dark legacy with it with the Joker shooting yeah. that occurred on opening night. In the theater in Colorado? In the theater in Colorado. I mean, it, all of the... The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises both carry like a weighty legacy um, outside of the movie, which is kind of tough to contend with um, when watching them. And uh, they are dealing with terrifying things that I, it, it worries me to think about, like having to explain some that to my kids. Hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's there's people like this is a thing that happened um, and these are things that have happened mm-hmm. um, recently in my lifetime, you know? Um, I don't know. It's realistic. And like, that's one of the things that's so, you know, people love the dark night. Right. For, but like, but but like I was, I was eight when the towers fell, yeah. you know, I watched that happen. Yeah. Um, was it scarring? Yeah. But it's not as if it's not as if that's never happened. Not not the, right. not the terrorist yeah. attack like that, but just it's not as if scarring things haven't happened to to people at whatever age they're at, yeah. and they've just had to deal with it. And I'm not saying that we should inflict those things, but also not be necessarily so. At least for me, I don't want to be too too careful about it. Yeah, because it's going to happen, and I'd rather it happen in a controlled way than accidentally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess um, I guess that's that's not a, a prelude to me saying like I don't think I want my kids to see this movie at all. But just rather that, like, it's, you know, coming back to these movies 10 years later and just remembering my own sort of reaction to this stuff and how it um, how it affected me and how I was thinking about things. It's kind of crazy. Um, and uh, sort of extricating that from, like, the matter at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, extricating, like, all the sort of external things that are maybe influencing, influencing the movie and also my perception of it. Um, I don't know it's it's weird and something that these movies more than a lot carry with them for me right um and so that makes it a little difficult to think about you know with showing my kids not not that i don't want to i definitely want to show these movies to them because it's like so huge for me but um but yeah i'm probably around with you maybe a couple years later on i'm showing them showing them well uh, because you you have you have two two kids very close together yeah that you probably want to do both of them right yeah so maybe one to be like a touch young and other be a touch old yeah 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 that makes sense to me i do feel it makes sense like looking at you know last time we talked about wanting to show both um batman begins and the dark knight kind of back to back Mm -hmm. um and uh I, i agree with you it makes sense to maybe space it out a little bit more with um with these because We've got three, and there's clearly like time has passed with them, and mm-hmm. I think as kids get older, they're I don't know able to be more into it. Yeah, I think so. And wanting to have something that's more than just like exciting time. Yeah, right. I want them to have read the, a Tale of Two Cities before they see this. Right? I've never read a Tale of Two Cities, and oh, yeah? I'm perfectly comfortable. You should read a tale. <laughs> it's beautiful. I have very little patience for Dickens. Oh my! Well, that's like short Dickens. You know, it's like, it's, you know, all the best parts. Of didn't, the didn't, I, didn't I just get done off by telling you that I was kind of done with fiction? <laughs> <laughs> it's a far, far better thing that I do. I'm sure. Yeah. They quoted in this. Yep. Dude, the scene with the uh, with uh, Killian Murphy, um, with Scarecrow, like yeah. the kangaroo court. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. That was really cool. That was really great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 
exile. <laughs> it's like, all right, death by exile. <laughs> he chooses exiles to go on the ice. The other guy's like, do you think I'm walking out on that ice? You're, you got another thing coming. He's like, all right, death. Yeah. By exile. <laughs> I like they're not shooting anyone. They're just like, you walk on that ice. Like, that's how everyone's getting their jollies off. It's like yeah. watching people sink under ice. <laughs> yeah, great. Like, no, they would, they, would be, they would be like lynchings. Yeah. <laughs> There's other ways of killing people. Yeah. That was really funny. Um, But I think my favorite scene in this one, it was hard for me because I enjoyed so much of it. Uh, I enjoyed so many individual things. Um. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a choreography guy, so I love the Bane the Bane fight. Bane fight's fantastic. Um, I like that it's utterly silent. I used to not like that. I used to think that some music would have been better. And there's actually some cool YouTube videos of people who have layered in different scores from some of Hans Zimmer's movies. Wait, which Bane fight? Where he the, kills Batman? What, oh yeah, breaks yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's better silent. Yeah, because it's humiliating. Because yeah. every time that we've yes. seen a, a Batman fight scene, it's come with the Batman music. Because you know he's ruling, and at this one he's just getting owned every other second. Yeah, like he cannot, he can't fight this guy. Yeah, um, and he's like Bane's actively laughing at him, like, "Where's your strength, dude? Like, you peace has not been good for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tearing you apart. Uh, it's vicious to watch. Um, I think I'll pick that one. Dang it, man, that was gonna be mine. Well, let, let's go. Let's go yeah. right on that, and let's mention a couple. Of yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Um, uh, I really love the opening scene. Um, I mean, not. I don't. Not, oh, really? Like I the don't battle like that. in the. You don't like the battle in the plane? It's, it's really stilted. He's. It's a classic Nolan thing where, like, we got to find a way to film like seven different places that are all in one tight spot, and he has to cut and move so much, and then also so much is going on, and so much information is being passed to you. You're, you're being like, wait, what? Like, we got a body, and they're doing the blood transfusion, and then the plane up ends, and now the, like, the geometry of the scene changes. So it's really confusing when he's cutting back and forth between who's who and where, and also being immediately put off by Aiden Gillen. And I was like, this is this is a rocky opening for me. Yeah. This is... Uh, I, I love that. That's one talk, of the things I talk. love about, about Nolan, is like like when he does that sort of thing, where he's just like hammering you with with exposition and just like cutting between things that are also exposition it's so confusing it's so confusing but then like you're left thinking about it for the rest of the movie i really love that i didn't get what was happening in that until after i finished watching it the second time then i was like oh right it's just so that they show that they have the doctor and everyone else thinks the doctor's dead oh that's it yeah that's it it was already got the cia (laughs) that's why i've been thinking about this for like seven weeks i will say it's a rad shot when they're hanging onto the rope and the plane falls out yeah that's really cool it's incredible that was amazing it's amazing and i just like too that nolan's like i don't know let's just do it real they didn't do it real right (laughs) yes they did that's amazing i i just like or like in tenant when he like takes a plane through a building it's it's great when he decides the easiest way to do this is just to do it yeah and it's like it's so much less expensive than trying to cgi this yeah um and it looks so much better like there's a couple cgi shots you can see yeah but i think i think it looks good yeah i the thing where he like pretends to shoot the guy like, I don't... That stuck with me? Because it was so years? stupid? Well, even in the moment, Even in the moment when he did it, even before Bane said anything, I was like, that's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> they not know that they, he didn't die. I don't know. It's just like... It's, I was like, huh. That's interesting. I don't know. I probably would have just... I don't know why they didn't just kick him out of the plane. I know. It was, I'd never seen it. Oh. I'd never seen it. I was like, huh. Never thought of that. <laughs> Next time I'm trying to interrogate two people and get one of them to talk to me, you won't do that. I I won't do that because it's not because it's going to be Bane. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because the other person will have the same question. Like, why did he shoot him? <laughs> and all he has to do is just talk. Yeah, <laughs> just yes, yes, yes. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> the CIA guy's an idiot. Yes, but 
Um, I love that scene. I, I wholeheartedly love it. Fair enough. Yeah. What's another one that you really uh, I I really enjoyed um, the introduction of Catwoman. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, she, she's, she's like a, a clumsy, not good at her job waitress at the party. And then goes upstairs and is, and he's going through Bruce Wayne's stuff. And then Bruce Wayne, who's not used to this, like he fires the arrow <laughs> right next to her head. Um, I like their interchange because it shows immediately that they really have chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I like her, her very subtle um, reveal where yeah. she stops being apologetic and just turns into like, all right, well, I took your stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I hope you're happy. What are you going to do? Beat up a girl? That would yeah. be like me beating up a cripple. And she goes over and just like kicks the cane out. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I completely, like I said, I completely forgot Anne Hathaway was in this movie. And even after seeing her, I completely forgotten what she did. Right. So I was like, oh, she's Catwoman. <laughs> it was like seeing it for the first time. Nice. I loved it. Uh, I also love the the chase scene um, at the New York, at the, at the Gotham Stock Exchange. Yeah. And that was yeah. that one guy said, this is a stock exchange. There's no money here. It's like, what are you all doing? <laughs> that was fantastic and the, bane thinks he's the funniest guy he is really movie. funny he's though. really funny and, and he thinks he's really funny too he's got he's got he's got the confidence yeah you know? i mean if you're gonna wear a face mask and also he does this thing my wife and i noticed that's really interesting he stands like a fighter yeah he stands like he's always like like a like a boxer you know he's always holding, holding on to his lapels yeah you know always at ease like ready to go but it's also a weird posture and he does a lot of weird face and hand stuff. He's, yeah. he's very gentle almost all the time. He's very gentle, which is really unnerving. Well, even when like he kills Ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. um, that's a really weird... Like, I don't know what's going on. He doesn't just twist his neck and like crack, break his neck because mm-hmm. you hear Mendelsohn like, screaming in the background. Like He lays his, his hand like really strangely mm-hmm. on his shoulder. It's like palm open. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a gift sort of yeah. thing. And and then he's sort of like I don't know it's weird it's a, it's a strange it's really uncomfortable yeah you just get I just get the sense of so much power in him yeah you know, so much like he looks like a spring yeah you know but he's calm too which I think it's a very effective as, as a villain um, yeah. yeah how about the scene when like the the cops fight the the bad guys at it's the cool end, the culminating it's, it's culmination giant riot giant riot it's so great I, and I, I, t- I turned to my wife at a certain point and I was like Batman in the snow is the best Batman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it so much. Like, even though that game Arkham Origins, yeah. like, isn't fantastic, it's not. But it looks amazing. Yeah, that's how does. Batman. Like, Gotham should always be frozen. There should just be rain coming down, and it should only look like black and white. Yeah. Oh, and I just, I, I was down there pounding away at each other. It's so weird because it's not nighttime; it's yeah. daytime. Yeah. And they're out there fighting in the bright, bright of day. Yeah, and these it's cops cool. who've been like underground for two months or whatever. This has got to be so smelly. Yeah. They, they, just so go, they come out and all, all the people just like turn around and run from the smell. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think they've been keeping up. I think they've been keeping the morale up. Yeah. Cause I think they're probably training down there. Yeah. And... Well, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like the revolution. Yeah. Against. Yeah. Against the, the revolution. The revolution. <laughs> it's a counter revolution. The counter revolution. It's to restore the previous thing. Bad guys. <laughs> Get the corrupt cops back in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these guys are on someone's payroll. Yeah. This is Gotham after all. But it, at least they're not Blackgate prisoners, you know? That's true. That's true. Uh, um, I think they really lost out on a chance to have some more classic Batman villains, but I kind of like that. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Just sure. like how this movie... So one of the things about Bane that I know from the Arkham games, and you're much more of a Batman scholar than I am. Mm, indeed. A Batman. <laughs> as, a Batman. As, as we, um, but... 
Bane in, in the games, like he has this like uh, potion thing that he has Titan. in yeah, yeah Titan, and, and it's it, like a steroid. He's, he's a super steroid soldier, you yeah. know, like he's he's drug fueled. Yeah, um, but he's not in this. No, he is just strong, lethal, and uh, like no other. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that? It, so the the games are are interesting because they they deal with Bane in a, in a strange way. They they kind of act like Bane's pretty dumb. Yeah. And actually in the comics uh he's not ever like that. Okay. Um that's a, that's a weird like started in Batman and Robin um where you know he's just an idiot. He's just, um, a, he's just a roided up mess, mm -hmm. which is also funny that in the, in a movie where you cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's not playing the bodybuilder. Don't understand why that was. Yeah. Yeah. But but then in the games, like you know, we get some of the accent back because he, he is foreign. I believe right. I believe he's like Puerto Rican or South American. Okay, no Spanish. I think he's Spanish generally. Oh yeah. Um, but he's actually known for being a brilliant tactician. Okay. And this, his cool conflict is that he, to accomplish his ends, he needs to use this Titan stuff. But this Titan stuff overwhelms his tactical brain. Okay. So he's constantly at war. The Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, like a brilliant, uh, technical, um, militaristically proud powerful guy yeah who's really strong who is warring with this substance that he can't stop using yeah um it's brilliant it's a really cool idea and so to completely go away from that and just have him have a, a breathing thing they don't even talk about what it is it's yeah. just like a, a thing he needs it to breathe it or, looks like springs. or else it's excruciatingly painful well they're little they're little tubes they look like springs though well because she she reconnects them later yeah. at the end and they're like little tubes yeah. but i don't get what they're doing they look like springs though other tubes yeah but they look shut up <laughs> they look like springs <laughs> they look like tubes i'm pretty sure they are springs <laughs> i don't understand what that is yeah i don't either i don't know why it's there they don't try very hard to explain it it doesn't matter this is your you don't you don't need to explain it yeah you shouldn't explain it but it was it's a it's a weird choice it's a yeah. weird choice to completely abandon anything that this character had in common with the old character and only keep and the face th mask. That is similar to the old character. Like it is Titan that that he's had in in like the comics. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Or yeah, they call it different things. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so it, I don't know. You just all you have now is just a, a brilliant tactician who's really yeah. strong. Yeah. We're going. I guess going along with the hyper real realism of the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Um, but it seems like as it goes along, it gets less comic booky in a lot of ways. Like this is something it's, it's not really a comic in a lot of ways. It isn't really a comic book movie no, other really. than the fact that like the Batman's able to heal and fight with no cartilage in his legs and yeah. broken back. Yeah. And like, which they work very hard to try and explain, you know, yeah. at least make you feel it. If not totally understand it. Yeah. Right. And which, it, which is okay here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's partially based upon the comic nightfall. Okay. Um, you know, some of the broad beats of the story are there. Yeah. But I was thinking about it too. Like there were so many rumors, like I guess originally Nolan was, this is going to be a, the Joker back. Right. Um, partially. And there was right. going to be another villain uh, who was going to be working it, but then the, the passing of Heath Ledger right. made that impossible. That's right. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of questions as to what was going to happen. Um, yeah. The Riddler, I think they deemed too ridiculous. They couldn't find a way to make him make sense. Um, and I was thinking back to all of uh, Batman's villains. And honestly, if you're done with Scarecrow, you're done with Falcone. You're done with Razor Ghoul. You're done with the Joker. It's it's gotta be Bane. Yeah. There's no one else it could be. That's not ridiculous. Because like the penguin's ridiculous. Yeah. The Riddler's ridiculous. Yeah. Like these are comic book things. They're not epic things. Um, what's epic? Well, in a lot of ways, 
for Dark Knight Rises, what if Batman had to fight his younger self, which is basically Bane? Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And the flip side, too, is someone who's principled, someone who's mm-hmm. accepting the other way. And it continues to uh, get the stakes higher and higher each time. And he's fighting over the soul of the city every time, but finally, like, it's the city and it's cut off from everyone else mm-hmm. and it will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to fix this, Bruce. Yeah. You have to find a way to beat this guy. Yeah. This guy who's as good as you were 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, I don't really like that because they, they avoided so long um, same versus same fights. And right. it was amazing when they finally decided to do a same versus same. It's, it's like, it's like the way that Logan decided to do same versus right. same with his younger versus older. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it was, I was funny just thinking about Logan. I was like, wait, did you guys steal that from this? Did you steal that from this? <laughs> I love that imagery um, of of like here he is finally in the light and like I, I guess maybe like doubling down into the um, the idea of like the stakes getting higher. It seems like in each of the situations he's almost given a choice of like sacrificing himself um, to save the city or not sacrificing himself to save the city a little less. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know when he doesn't like let himself die or the bat die, like mm-hmm. something worse happens. So right. uh, the bat doesn't die after he defeats Roswell. This is Powell, interesting. Yeah. And the Joker comes because of that escalation escalation. Um, and then uh, he, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't turn himself in as Batman. Um, and like worse stuff happens. So he continues the lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he perpetuates the lie. And then he makes an even bigger lie about, um, about Two Face, that he was never Two Face. Yeah. Um, and things get even worse because mm-hmm. um, all of the good people, the few really, really good people, are broken by the fact that it's a lie, this horrible lie about about what happened. Um, and we get Bane. Bane's able to come in, and uh, Talia Al Ghul is able to come in, and Gotham really is going to get destroyed because these lies have taken a toll on the spirit and like the moral spirit and like the physical body of Batman. And you can't really count on like your body holding up for decades on end to fight, to punch these down. So finally, like this movie has to end with his death Yeah, because if he doesn't, then, then nothing's like nothing matters. Like he's finally learned that he needs to, let go of the bat. And, and it's what's interesting is like, it's not even as if, if he hadn't have come along, things would have been uh, better. They wouldn't have been. The city was in, was in yeah. outright chaos from yeah. the start. And if he hadn't had done anything, then Ra's al Ghul would have come and destroyed the city anyway. Yeah. Um, because the microwave emitter plan was already in place before Batman is really on the scene. So the microwave emitter would have happened. They would have released Joker's fear talk. I mean, scared yeah. fear talks into the yeah. city and we'd have been done from there. The city yeah. would have been gone. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. So he has caused a lot of the problems by his own existence, but he also has kind of exercised the demons from inside of Gotham over the years. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is exactly right. He does have to die, but it's not as if if he had died earlier or hadn't started at all, it would actually have been better. Yeah, it would have been worse because they would all have died. But the Joker wouldn't have come. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess in that way it would be better. It's true. It's true. He would have you would have gone somewhere else. Nothing would have been there. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Um boy. I wonder if that's something about like uh the process of uh getting over trauma too or something. I don't know. It could be saying know. it could be saying something about the trauma. Um I think 
I think that the Dark Knight and Batman Begins are much more about emotions. Uh, and I don't think this movie is as much about emotions. Well, it's, I mean, like, okay, say, say what you mean by that. Yeah. Because um, it, it seems as if we've taken a more thematic approach as opposed to, to an emotional approach. Yeah. The characters are growing and there's, there is emotion happening, but it's much subtler. And it's, it's because these huge actions are taking place, these huge like, epic actions. And so therefore the emotions are a little more muted just because of the, the sheer number of act, act, activity. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but there's still moments of it where it really does work well, but it, it doesn't feel emotionally like Batman Begins or the Dark Knight. It doesn't feel like those movies. It feels yeah. a little bit more at a distance. You know, I almost feel the reverse. No. Maybe because I don't know. Um, I just felt like the Batman Begins was like right up in your face, man. Yeah, like the, like the whole training montage is just emotion. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just the emotion here is really different. Like both of those kind of are focused on like a young man, like who's angry, and here it's an older person who is angry and sad. Uh, kind of defeated yeah someone who's defeated despite having these victories mm -hmm. and holding on to the past and sort of like building a uh a memorial to it with his life deciding not to do anything else because you know like but because rachel yeah you know and he's got he's got the whole house is all shuttered up and and he doesn't go out or anything because like his life no longer it's functionally it, over it's functionally over he's done everything he needs to do and now he's just waiting around to die mm -hmm. um and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, see, that doesn't sound like uh, he's, he's not necessarily despairing. He's, he's off. Right. Which is why it's like, he's, he's been turned off. Yeah. Which is why when I, I say the emotions feel at a distance is because he, he's got yeah. nothing. Okay. He's got, he's emoting nothing. Yeah. At he's all. at a total distance for almost nothing from yeah. the entire movie. And he's the main character. Yeah. And so it's always been about his, his emotional journey through these movies and here we find him at the lowest point of the low which is he's he's flatlined yeah right he's a walking corpse yeah. and it takes him so long to kind of come back that when he when he wakes up in the pit yeah you know that actually feels, feels like the like start of the movie the movie started yeah. right yeah. and then then it becomes triumphant and glorious but it's just that's that's you know hour two yeah or like one hour and 30 minutes basically into the yeah. movie which is funny that it takes so long. Yeah. Um, and I really like that, yeah. but th that's, that's what I'm more talking about. It's, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 And it makes more room too, for, for, for some other people to have some more emotional payoff and Hathaway does, has some good emotional beats with her character talking about how she wants to start over and then the fear that she has of Bane and you see why that is. And Bane gets to have an interesting time, yeah. you know, as like kind of a zealot, yeah, uh, of himself of the league. Oh my gosh, dude! When uh, when they bring um, uh, Gordon into him, yeah. he's like, "And why are you here? <laughs> why did you think this was a good idea?" You brought the police commissioner. <laughs> they're like, "Now you have to die." <laughs> like, what? He's like, "Which of you did that?" He's like, "Bang, <laughs> you're dead." And after after you take care of this, you're gonna kill yourself too. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, he's gone. Like, where's he going? Oh, he could have gone anywhere. Like, well, you can follow him. <laughs> Boom. Brilliant. It's great. Brilliant. It's great. <laughs> that is leadership. Yes, it is. It's Swift, decisive yeah. decision making. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, no, and so and I also like Talia too. The stuff that Talia says, you see like the rage that's built up yeah. um in her. It just seems like as we were saying before, this is this ostensibly is about Batman, but it's really about everyone else. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, I, I love like his his journey though in it. Like, I mean, I don't know. The imagery is is heavy handed, but like he he has to get completely broken. He's already almost completely broken. He's and then dead. and then his back gets broken. <laughs> he's got to get, get into the pit, <laughs> and he's literally in a pit, and he has to. Is this Plato's pit? <laughs> yeah, he has to climb out of the pit of despair. You know, like the pit of despair. <laughs> oh, despair. <coughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I, I just say able to come back. Yeah. If if you tuned into here and if you were thinking to yourself, oh yes, yes, they will talk about Plato's allegory for the pit and how it works in this movie because Nolan is classically educated. I'm not interested in having that conversation. Oh yeah. Wait, people talk about the pit. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, like yeah, because every pit is like the allegory because it's a pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like caves are caves. Like this is why and it's an allegory. Indeed. Indeed. Um, but it's a very, people like talking about that. I mean, like, okay, yes, it is, but it's more, it's, it is, it's more like about, I feel like it's more about depression than it is about, yeah. like, because like the reason why he's in a pit of despair is because the love of his life is dead and his parents are dead and like he saved the city and he told a lie and everyone's depressed and he can't see his friends because yeah. his friends were all people he met while he was dressed up as a bat, not dealing with his problems. Yep. Men, men will literally dress up as a bat and beat criminals rather than go to therapy. <laughs> I've been thinking of a couple of memes for this too. Like, there's like the meme is a picture of, of Batman like swinging in the pit, hanging from the rope by his midsection. And it's just going to be called like me going to therapy. And then there's going to be a picture of me on my rat as hell bike, wearing my awesome armor, speeding down, chasing down criminals. Like me not going to therapy because <laughs> it's true. Yeah. If this if this was that like. I'm imagining now a two-person HBO show where it's it's uh, it's Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne sitting in one chair, and then it's the bat suit standing next to him, <laughs> and it's just like scenes from a marriage. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking fantastic. of. Yeah. Uh, no. So it has it, it's talking about depression. It's also talking about a lot of social issues, a lot of class yeah. themes. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff about government. A lot of stuff about free will and choice and how people want to be. And it's, it's about a lot of stuff. Uh, and it doesn't say much about a lot of that. It, it just brings it up, right? Yeah. Like, like a lot of the questions raised in, in Batman Begins, it doesn't answer those questions. Like, it answers some of them, but not, not as many as it brings up. Yeah. And this one seems to be bringing up a lot of things to, to broaden the scale of the story. Yeah. And it seems like things that we were all talking about at the time, too. Um, yeah. Which is, which is one of the things that's interesting about all of these is that so we've talked about this in each of the episodes, like how have they aged given like the, um, I don't but um, how have they aged in terms of like, like they're definitely of their time to some degree or another. Yeah. And, and something I feel like we've been circling around, but, but haven't maybe said straight out is that it seems like the ideas maybe are of their time. Um, but they're also like kind of, of all times, like yeah. people have been talking about it since Plato. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movies themselves aren't exactly of their times. It's the ideas that were just big at that time, very present in them. Yeah. And so, like right now, they're they're not really. They seem maybe a little trivial. Because um, we've just seen. I don't know if in 2012 we knew that in 2022 the world would seem so. Yeah. You know, we hadn't been through a, a global pandemic in about a hundred years. Yeah. So we didn't. Point. We didn't yeah. realize like things were actually like bouncing back from the 08. Crash. yeah yeah um things were actually like going pretty well we were making yeah. 2012 jokes yeah because things were going so well yeah. for everyone like the world's gonna end yeah but i was having the, i was having the time of my life yeah. around this time yeah and yeah um 
so the idea is that, like I think what you're what you're pointing to is really cool because there's very few things in this movie that I would ever say would be would date poorly. Um, actually, specifically, one thing I thought is already dated and looks terrible is the bomb. Looked like shit. Looks it looked really dumb. I I was so just taken out of the movie by the bomb. I was like, well, it looks dumb. Huh. Why does it look dumb? And I had I hadn't really noticed that before. Um, I did not feel that way. I just thought it looked really. But I'm not really like a connoisseur of of. It the... just it just looked like stuff in movies from that time, and stuff yeah. like in movies now doesn't look like that. I guess that's true. And but apart from that, the conversation is specific yet universal, right? Yeah. Which is what all good art is. Yeah. It's specific to this creator and what he wants to talk about, and it seems like what Nolan's always wanted to talk about with these three movies: him and his brother and David S. Goyer. Um, they want to talk about. I want to tell, like you were saying before, a full Batman story because we've never, there's never really, there's been a couple full Batman stories, but every time Batman dies, he finds his way back. Even when he's like dead, dead, even when they kill him, dead, dead, kind of find a way back or, or the, the legend lives on. Like this happened in a a couple runs where, where where Nightwing takes over as Batman. Right. But then like the the Batman from a different realm or dimension or whatever comes back and now he's Batman. Um, but they did it. They told a story from beginning to end. Batman began, he was, and he was over. And isn't that cool that we told a story that takes place over, like, what, 15 years? Yeah, something like that. From, like, 25 to 40. Yeah. And uh, and then we're out. And the, the, the growth of a city happened. And a, yeah. a city's soul was recovered yeah. and had its demons expunged. And now gets to live on in, a, in the bright nuclear dawn, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. I really like it. And I really like that uh, that um, Bruce Wayne gets to live on Yeah, as well. And he just gets to look at Alfred and not hate him. And Alfred gets to know that. And they yeah. get to part ways, you know? Although I really do hope that they don't actually. I know. Like, that didn't seem right. It's like, you know what? He's going to go over there and say hi. Yeah. You know, this is, he's only going on vacation. Maybe he's just going to move out there. Yeah. They can't have just be, like, they can't be that bad. Plus, you, I mean, like, I don't know where Bruce Wayne's getting this money from. Okay. He broke. Yeah. He broke. He broke. And he has no actual skills. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he has some software programming? Like, is he going to come up with an app? He does. He is dating the best cat burglar out there. It's true. But do you think he's going to let her keep stealing? Maybe she'll just say she's got a great job. I think the greatest, the world's greatest detective <laughs> is going to know. He doesn't have any courage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could just beat him up. I don't yeah. know. Um, I want, anyway, I want to... It was so specific that he's at that bar at yeah, that time. I know, I know. They got to be reconnected. <laughs> they got to reconnect. It, he's his dad. Okay, but there were, I remember there were people who were saying, like, this is not actually what happens. This stupid. is Michael Caine's dream. There's, dream. There's, okay, so when you're watching movies, guys... Yeah. For people who believe that when you're watching movies, filmmakers will use certain techniques to make the audience believe something or to tell the audience things, something like a POV shot, you know, where you're looking from someone's point of view or uh, a shot that uh, shows you, I don't know, objectively what's happening, which in this one, there is no POV shot. There's actually nothing to suggest that we are taking anything except shooting one actor and then we're shooting another actor and one actor looks at the other actor and then the actor smiles. All right. But it's like kind of fuzzy lighting. It was fuzzy lighting in his dream. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't no, it's not, it's reality. Batman wins. Yeah. He wins by Bruce the Wayne wins. Batman right. also wins by dying. The mask is finally gone. Yeah. The mask was Batman. 
and Bruce Wayne gets to live. Great movie. Great movie. This is a great movie. Great movie. And you know what? You know what? Uh, no, no, it's no, so no, weird. Not no, knocking Dark Knight. It's a weird. It's a weird movie, though. Yeah, but it's great. It's unexpected. Yeah. It, it doesn't do anything that you think it's going to do. Yeah. And I think it's that's why everyone is mad. Yeah. Yeah. Why I was mad. I dug it. Yeah, I know. Well, sometimes you're 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 a prophet. I'm a prophet. I said sometimes. Yeah. Everyone's going to love Limbo someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> when I'm forty, I'll call you up. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, but for everyone, like, I'm not yucking on your yum. Uh, I'm just saying I prefer this to the Dark Knight. Yeah. I'm just it's saying. not like you're saying the Dark Knight is bad. No. You're just saying that you enjoy this more at this point in your life. Yeah, I think the things that are going on here are more interesting to me. I don't know. I Like, I'm, I'm wondering if I think that, too. I might think that. Give it some thought. Yeah. Because um, right now, I don't know. I, I like a longer movie that gives me stuff to think about. And it's not like I don't have stuff to think about with the Dark Knight, but I've just thought about the stuff in the Dark Knight so much, it feels a little useless. It's really fun, too, how, like, the city get, like, you watch, like, the, the city's, like, new sort of power structure take over. Like, that's fun. It is fun. I dig that. And, like, the, like, when they're chasing down, like, the different, uh, the different trucks. Yes. That was really cool. That was great. That was really fun. Yeah. And it, I like how Batman's, like, as per usual, I'm going to be doing something intensely personal, and Gordon... I'm going to need you to rescue the soul of the city. <laughs> and I, I kind of want Gordon to be like, remember that time when you said you were going to rescue Rachel and I was supposed to go for Harvey and how I totally messed that one up? Maybe maybe you blow up, maybe you get the cars and I'll handle the other stuff. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, um, so I guess, so uh, next week we will also be uh, without Jesse. Yes. So we we're going to make a little bit of an announcement here. We're going to come at you with three. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Before we do that, is this a dad movie? Oh, I was going to save that because oh, I want to save that. I wanted people to listen to the end. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Hold that thought, Mike. <laughs> so we're doing it. I'm talking yeah. to myself. <laughs> just, I just wanted to say that uh, next week we're going to be without Jesse, and me and Mike and some collaborators are going to come together to do a, a new three-week movie thing here for three weeks only and the rest of the internet's history that's right <laughs> boy i gotta be careful with what i say sometimes uh, but we're gonna be doing um maximum cage maximum cage which is an idea we've batted around for a long time but we are picking three nicholas cage movies to talk about kind of at random kind of, of at random. not at random too. there is a thread just like everything nicholas cage has done maybe <laughs> is there a reason but uh, we're going to be picking at least the first one, just to get you guys prepped. The first one is going to be 1987's Moonstruck, the romantic comedy directed by Norrin Jewison, starring Cher and Nicolas Cage. Can't wait. This is the weirdest movie that, that we've picked yet to do an full episode on. I'm really we're really excited. excited about the guest that will be joining us. Mm -hmm. um, he's a great fan, big fan of Moonstruck. He's a big fan of Moonstruck. Do we, do we tell him it is? Ah, let's wait. Nice. <laughs> Make him wait. <laughs> Good, but um, so that's just letting you guys know what's coming up for the next three uh, episodes, um, and then hopefully we'll be rejoined by Jesse. Um, but until then, we have to ask: Is this a dad movie, Mike? Yes, this is a dad movie, hundred percent, definitely. I mean, it's about it's like it's it's about a city, the battle for the city's soul. It's great. It's, it's Batman. It, it talks a lot about class structure, it's which class is like a fun yeah. dad thing to talk it's, about. It's about like this dude who climbs out of a, a place. It's about like defending a young girl so that she can go on and like become a terrible human. But it's about who's it's about, beautiful. It's about finding love it's, and about leaving behind the past. 
I was really thinking watching, you know, Batman and, and Catwoman fall in love. I was like, wow, he really did find love in a hopeless place. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Beto, is this a dad movie? Absolutely. Especially because of insufferable takes like the one I just gave about how I like this more than Dark Knight. That, that's pretty dad. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple friends the, of the show uh, <clears throat> who have insufferable takes. <clears throat> and I, <laughs> this is this is what I have. And I can't wait until I can grow up to be a big boy and my kids have their friends over and they're talking about these movies because I'm sure they'll do that. I don't yeah. know. And I'll be like, that third one's the best one. And everyone will be like, boo. <laughs> be fun. And then like 10 years after that, they'll be like, you know, Mr. Mr. Vito was pretty, right. he was onto something here. That's right. That's right. Kitties. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Well, that was a good episode. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Mike. Thanks Vito. Um, for all of us at not your father's movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Richard. <laughs> Good night. And I'm Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>